Praise God. Well, this is the last Sunday of Advent. Yeah, some of you know Advent, some of you might not. And it's a tradition. Guess what? Traditions aren't bad. Traditions aren't bad. The only time traditions become bad is when they overpower God's will. Then it becomes a problem. I have traditions in my own life. There's things that I fast times of the year that I go into a fast. There's things that I, I automatically do in prayer. And it's not because I'm, I'm doing something that's contrary to God. I'm doing something that helps me walk in life with God. And so traditions aren't bad. Just so you know, a lot of people, they don't like religious, and so they throw everything out that's traditional. Could you imagine if we tried to raise our family and live in a marriage non-traditional of tradition of marriage? Well, what's tradition of marriage? Look in the Bible. A man leaves his family, falls in love with his wife, he is committed to her till death do part. He is committed in such a level that he never has to tell her to submit because she just wants to because he loves her so much. He's willing to die for her. So, okay, if we start breaking some of the traditions that we call religious, they're not necessarily religious. They could be the traditions of God. Does that make sense? Wow, you guys are looking at me. What does this have to do with Advent candles? I have no idea. But... The celebration of, I just want to, because, you know, there's such a, a warped theology out there that we have to eliminate all traditions. And that's just absolutely not, not true. That's not true. God does heaven. He does heaven the way he does heaven. And if you lived in that level of heaven, you would say there's traditions within heaven. Because what's a tradition? It's something that you choose to do on a repeated basis. One of my traditions is to every morning wake up in prayer and celebration and joy of the Lord because he's my strength. That's one of my traditions. One of my traditions is to never cheat on my wife. One of my traditions is that I made a covenant and a commitment with her. And in covenant, the traditional covenant is till death do us part. The only thing that can stop a covenant in God's eyes is death. Neat thing is, is when we are in Jesus Christ and our time on earth ends, but we're in covenant with him, we actually get new life. It's a beautiful thing. So anyways, uh, so three Sundays ago, we celebrated hope, joyful anticipation, the expectation of good. You see, hope does not come from hell. You can't as a believer, hope for sin. It doesn't make sense. Hope actually came from God. The devil has no hope. God has all hope. You know what I'm saying? So when we have hope, it will always be a joyful expectation. That's why the word is clear, never lose your hope. Because if you lose your hope, the only other options that you're starting to have is depression and not joy of an expectation of the future. So hope the next one was peace. We can't even have true peace without having an understanding of hope in our lives. And because we have hope with a joyful anticipation, I have hope for the future. I have hope for 2019, that 2019 is going to even be better than 2018. And I thought 2018 was great. Oh, there's some issues. Absolutely. But that doesn't stop the greatness. Hope to peace. And when I have hope, a joyful anticipation of the future, I have peace, which becomes greater than my understanding. And then when I have peace, I can jump into joy, the third advent candle. And joy becomes a, a process of lifestyle, not of the conditions around us. Because if we, if we look at the conditions around us and we see problems and issues, it will rob you and steal you from your joy. And so then hope, peace, joy, and today is the Sunday of love, because all of this encompasses around God's love. God first loved us. Matter of fact, his love is so great, his love is never wavering and never changing for you and me. No matter if you feel it or you don't feel it, his love is the same yesterday, today, and forever for you and me. Even when we're in a dark hour, his love is as strong and as bright as it ever was in your best hour. 
So we're going to go for love. And being that we're not having a Christmas service uh, on Christmas Day here, we want you to spend time with family, visit other churches if, if, if you want, and, and whatnot on Christmas Day, but be with family. And this is called the Christ candle because Jesus opened the door for hope to be renewed in new covenant, for peace to be lived in our lives, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. For joy to be a lifestyle experience 24-7. So we can actually love as Christ loved us. And we celebrate Jesus' birth. And what he did, which was the ultimate price, he paid that God sent his son. And this is the reason of the season. That's why we're here Why we celebrate Christmas. Okay, so put on your seatbelts. We're going to try to get going on what notes I put. And I I don't go off, like I don't have a lot of notes all the time, but this time I do because I was so inspired that I hope I get to share them all. There was a woman out with two young children Christmas shopping. She had two young children, and she went to the malls, and she was shopping. And her children wanted everything they saw on the shelves for Christmas. Hey, Mommy, can I have this? Oh, Mommy, I want that. She's already bought a whole bunch of stuff, but it's Mommy, I want that. Has anyone ever had children or anyone ever been a child and remember doing that? So her children wanted everything they saw on the shelves for Christmas. She was shopping for hours and hours, people everywhere. Finally, at the end of the day, as she pushed her way into a crowded elevator, as the doors closed, she exclaimed, whoever started this whole Christmas thing should be found, strung up, and shot. The elevator went quiet. And at the back of the elevator, you hear this voice, calm voice, say, don't worry, we already crucified him. In the light of our normal Christmas activities, it would be good to reflect on the real purpose of Christmas. I tell you, when you're driving at this time of the year in your town or your city, I have not seen as much traffic in the city of Abbotsford as I have yesterday. You try to find parking in the mall. And then you go to Costco. We drove past Costco, and Sharon and I, the other day, and I'm like, thank you, Lord, that we've done our shopping. Because the Costco, I've never seen the Costco parking lot completely full. Even the back of the store was full. Oh, man. We need to realize and reflect as the purpose of Christmas. Somebody once said, the universe is composed of stories, not atoms. When we think of Christmas, what do we think of? Angels, manger, shepherds, wise men, bright star. What do we see? We see a story. We don't think of, oh, there's atoms. Oh, there's you know, molecules that were creating all that. No, it's a story. The Christmas story is an opportunity for man and woman to understand the deeper purposes of God. There is no holiday in all the world celebrated more widely than Christmas. Billions of people celebrate Christmas. It is the largest celebrated holiday in history of this world to this date. It's Christmas. Interesting that this world celebrates Christmas to this level when so many feel that Jesus never happened. The coming of Jesus Christ was so significant When he was born and his coming onto this earth was so significant that that history was divided into two parts. One is called B.C. Before what? Oh, before Christ. The other is A.D. Now, most people say after death. It's not. It's Anno Domi. And it means in the year of the Lord. (laughs) Before Christ... 
And in the year of the Lord, we live in A.D., we live in the year of the Lord. That's what we're saying when we say we're in 2018 A.D., we're in the year of the Lord. Let's take a look at the original Christmas story out of Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. Glory in the highest, verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Verse 10. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. What's the purpose of Christmas? Oh, of course we all know. Is the birth of Jesus Christ. It wasn't buying presents for our children. It wasn't buying presents for our friends. It wasn't getting together to, to just celebrate each other. It was the purpose was the birthing of Jesus Christ. But the purpose of the birthing of Jesus Christ was so you and I could celebrate with each other as brothers and sisters in him. Christmas is a time of celebration. Look at what the angel said in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. I'm going to run through these quick. If we don't get them on the screen, all all of them, that's fine. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. And then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. The angel is saying that it is time for men and women to celebrate, that Christmas is about celebration, that this this is a celebrating time. And so guess what? How many of you know that the enemy, the devil, does not like you to celebrate with joy? And so how many of you know that sometimes as we get into a celebration of Jesus' birth and a celebration of God in our lives, how many of us know that once in a while that dirty little devil is going to do everything he can to split up and break up that celebration? Well, I'm here to tell you what, devil, you're done. We are not dealing with you because you were already dealt with. Psalms 118, verse 24. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad. And it's one of my favorite verses. Every morning I wake up. This is the day that the Lord has made. I, I choose to celebrate. No matter how little sleep I get, no matter what country I'm traveling in, no matter how jet-lagged I am, no matter how the families and situations around me are good or bad, it doesn't change my celebration with the Lord. When my family, my family's doing amazing. Their amazingness doesn't change my celebration. And people's problems don't change my celebration. If they do, then I'm more focused on people than I am on my living Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Of course we get down. I, I just had an aunt pass away a few days ago. And uh, it's the last remaining of my mom who passed away many years ago. Last remaining family member. And so I, on the 29th, I drive to Armstrong. Go to the memorial, and I come back late in the night, and then we'll be here at 30, 30th in the morning. Of course, it saddens my heart. But you know what? They were pastors for over 50 years in a place called Fort McMurray, a, a province called Alberta, like freezing cold. I visited them when I was a child coming back from the mission field. I thank the Lord, my parents, when we were on furlough, was the summer months. <laughs> I like what the Message Bible says in Psalms 118, verse 24, the same scripture. It says, this is the very day God acted. Let's celebrate and be festive. There's a difference between a celebration and a party. When I think of a party, I think of a place to go to have fun. It usually is centered around my personal enjoyment. That's a party. How do you know a party is good? I had fun. And so I had fun, so the party was a good party. It's centered around 
the joy that I'm experiencing and feeling. That's called a party. I'm talking about a godly party. It's centered around the joy that I feel. When I think about celebration, I think of a time to honor something or someone other than myself. You have a party in your celebration. We're here to celebrate. And when we celebrate, that means we are honoring somebody else. I celebrate my marriage. I honor my wife with my love. It's easy for her to love me, I understand. But, you know, I... <laughs> not. I'm not that easy sometimes to love. But I thank you for a loving, patient wife who prayed quietly in the bed without me knowing for years. Because she knew... I did not want to step into ministry. She knew. I think she knew God personally or something because she prayed and it happened. It was amazing. So what can we celebrate at Christmas? We can celebrate that God loves us. That's the first celebration we've got to have. We're wrapped in his love. And his love is not conditional. Oh, sometimes our love for each other is conditional. But that's not what the Bible says. Your actions should not dispel the love of Jesus that I have for you. I love you in your deepest, darkest hours. I'm still going to love you. I might not want to hang with you all the time, but I love you. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but might live for a while. You know what? Everlasting life actually depends on how we love. What does that mean? If we don't love God enough to change our life, then we have to wonder where is the level of salvation that we live in. Listen, I'm not talking about once a Christian, always a Christian, or you can lose your salvation. I don't really care because if we focus on that theology or either one of those theologies, we focus on such a level of theology that we forget the reason man built the theology. What matters is, do you love him? Because he loves you, that's not a question. His love for you is never questioned except by us but never by him, and never even questioned by the devil because the devil knows how much God loves you. God came in the form of a man so he could encounter man face to face again, just like the Garden of Eden. This time, it was through his son, Jesus Christ. He did not just send an angel or a messenger. He loved mankind so much that he sent his only son, Wow. If you have one child and you send him to the wolves to be slaughtered, I'll tell you what, you've got to love those people a lot to be able to do that. 1 John 4, verse 8. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. He who does not know love or he who does not love does not know God. For God is love. You can't even know. I can't even know God, gnosko, have relationship with him. I cannot even know God without knowing love. God did not bring love. He actually brought himself in love. He brought himself in love. That's who Jesus Christ is. His very nature, his very character is love. Everything that, that who he is and what he does is always based out of love. His, his attributes, they're all based out of love. I mean, even discipline, even anger in everything he does is based out of love. God's love for us is unconditional. We cannot earn it and we cannot stop it. You can't mess up so, no one in your family, no one in your friendship can mess up so bad that it stops God's love. No, can't do it. 
Oh, I tried. Yeah, yeah, you tried, but you can't do it. You can't mess up his love. Because his love is not based on what you do or what you don't do. God's love is based on who he is. We must celebrate that God is with us. God's existence does not depend on my belief system. God's existence does not depend on your belief system. God's existence does not depend on anyone watching that camera's belief system. God's existence does not depend on your understanding of him. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Oh, God, put that on the screen. Let's go. Hebrews 11.6. I just love this. Hebrews 11.6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without faith, it's impossible to even please God. What is faith? Faith is not living in what the problems are or what this world is going to end up like. That's not faith. Faith is living in an understanding to be able to acknowledge a lifestyle of heaven that he has created for us to live in on this earth. That there's heaven touching right now. There's heaven at hand right now where two or more gathered in his name. He is there with us. And there's more than two because my wife and I are here and my family. And there's more than two gathered in the name of Jesus. And because of that, I know and I can declare with absolute certainty that he is here. That's faith. I'm believing in something you can't see. But you know what? I can see it. I can see it in my life. I can see it in my wife. I can see it in my children. I can see it in everyone around me as they step into greater levels of faith. Because the more faith we live in, the more we become the power of the testimony of Jesus Christ to the ones around us. Without faith, Hebrews eleven six again, without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he, God, is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. How do I build my faith? Seek him. Seek and you will find. Knock and what? The door will be opened. You see, seek is a continuation of word. It's a continuing word. Look is a conclusive word. When you say, I'm looking for, I'm looking for something, when you find it, you finish looking for that product or that thing. But seek means the more you find, the more you seek. You will continually look for him more more and more. See, I seek holy marriage. I seek purity of marriage. I seek love that I can give to my wife, that I can give to my children. I seek to raise my children according to the word of God. I seek for these things. I seek for future grandchildren that I can be a grandpa and that my my wife can be a grandma that literally is pursuing things so much that they're going to hunger for the revelation of Jesus Christ in their lives. Never stop seeking him. And in the tough times of life, seek him more and more and more. To experience God personally, I must believe. But God's existence does not depend on what I believe. The Bible says that Christ came to live in us, Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Colossians 1, verse 27. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. God wanted everyone to know that the riches of the glo- and glory of Christ are for all of us, Jews and Gentiles, it's for all of us. And the secret is that Christ lives in you. This gives you and me assurance of sharing his glory. It gives us assurance of sharing in his glory around us. The Bible also says that God will not abandon those he loves us. It's found in Romans 8, 35 to 39. And read it sometime. It'll tell you a lot of things of what not to do. We need to celebrate that God is for us and he's not against us. 
God is for us and he's not against our family members. I know that uncle that you don't like, but he, he's for him too. I'm just kidding. You probably like all your uncles or aunties, friends. Because actually God is for them, even though many sinners don't know that. He's actually not there to condemn them. He's there to forgive them. Listen, people. Of course, if someone doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, your future is like hell. Literally. But you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. The whole purpose of the birth of Jesus and the death and resurrection was that every person has the opportunity to make a decision. To experience this love unconditionally in their life. To have such faith and believe and know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. He'll change your eternity. We need to celebrate that God is for us. Here's a very encouraging verse. I love Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Here's the Lord speaking to us. Listen to this. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. What thoughts we say? Well, it's thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. The Message Bible of Jeremiah 29, verse 11, it says... I know what I'm doing. I know, says the Lord, I know what I'm doing. I actually have, it says, I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. I love it. When we go through difficulties in life, it is good to know that God not only lives in us, but he is for us. He is for us. He is not against us. You see, old covenant, you could offend God in such a level that he would wipe out an entire city because there wasn't enough believers. But in new covenant... He doesn't want to wipe out the cities. He wants you and me to go to them and save them and tell them the good news. You know, we can go all these problems. Well, well, you know, Southern California, all the sin, and so that caught on fire this year. What? You know why it caught on fire? Wasn't it because someone threw a cigarette out or something? I can't remember. The car fire was, oh, it was a car fire. That's right. It's called the car fire. Like, it caught on fire. What we need to look at is not it's the judgments of God. We need to look at it as wake up people and get down and help the people. Because when they're in their weakest and deepest despair, God has given us the victory and the opportunity to go help them and be a Christ's life testimony to them. Now, I can't say what God wants to do or doesn't do. He's going to do. He's sovereign. He's going to do what he wants to do. Sometimes maybe what he doesn't want to do, but we forced him into him doing something. I don't think, I know he does not want anyone to go to hell. And that's a decision that he's allowed the free will of ourselves to do it. I don't believe he wants to lift his favor from anybody. But you need to have a foundational strength of him in you to be able to experience and live in a continuing favor and blessing from him. You see, if my kids, when they were younger, if they were living in sin, I didn't come and give them money and bless them and give them toys and say, oh, good job, you sinner, good job. Here's another present. This is what you always wanted. No. When we're living a lifestyle of unrighteousness, I believe that we choose to distance ourselves from his presence. Because he just can't condone in his being our unrighteousness. And the closer we get to him, the more we seek him, the more we go after him. It doesn't change his love, and it doesn't change his pursuit. But I believe it will change favor and blessings in your life. It will change favor and blessings in your marriage, in your children. Absolutely. Because you're going to have a small house in heaven or a big house. 
Oh, so our actions do depend a little bit on something, big time. When we go through difficulties in life, it's good to know that he lives in us, for us. Jesus is so for us that he was willing to die for us. When Jesus came walking across the water, remember when he's walking across the water, the disciples were out of the boat in the storm, and the disciples were like, he's a ghost, he's a ghost. And Jesus said in Matthew 14, 27, Jesus said, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. What, what is it? Oh, we're freaked out. We're in fear. What does Jesus say? Be of good cheer. Be happy. How can we be happy? We're in a storm. We're freaked out. And we realize our Messiah or the Christ was not with us. Boo-boo. You left the leader on the other side. And here he comes walking across the water. What would you think? He went to heaven and I got left behind. No, he's a ghost. And what does Jesus say in your fear? Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Jesus was on his way to where? To a house of a man whose daughter was seriously ill. And on the way, the report came that she had died. Luke chapter 8, 50. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, do not be afraid. Since so the report that, that this girl had died... And he says, do not be afraid. Only believe, and she will be made well. (laughs) No, she's dead. There's no hope. No, 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 no. Don't lose hope. Have a joyful anticipation, a joyful expectation that God is going to do something through this difficult season and time. And out of that, I'm going to be able to live in peace. Peace with who? Peace with God first. Peace in my own heart. And when I live peace with God, peace in my own heart, filled with the Holy Spirit, then I have peace in all circumstances around me. It doesn't mean agreement to the problems. It means I just have peace that they don't have to affect us in a negative way. And that brings joy birthed in love. Over and over, God tells us not to be afraid because he loves us. He is with us and he is for us. The second thing Christmas is a celebration of is a time for salvation. Again, looking at the the words of the angel in Luke chapter 2, verse 11, it says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. God came down to men through his son Jesus Christ so all people can be saved. Salvation is God delivering us from sin Delivering us from self and delivering us from hell. What was the celebration of Jesus' birth, his death and resurrection? Delivering us from sin. A big one is delivering us from self. Which is delivering us from hell. Salvation is, what what else can we say about salvation? Jesus saves you from something. He say, you can't have salvation if you're not saved from something. You hear what I'm saying? A lot of people will say, well, well, no, I'm saved, and their lifestyle is complete sin. No, no, no. Salvation is saving you from sin, so you don't live in sin. Do you understand? Salvation is, how, how, how are you sinning? It's because of self. What, why does somebody sin? Well, because you were born in, in a sinful nature. You were born... In a sinful nature, Jesus Christ is here to actually transform your nature into his kingdom come, his will be done on earth in you as it is in heaven. We don't have to live in a sinful nature. Oh, does that mean you're perfect, Brent? No, but I'm closer today than I was yesterday or 20 years ago. Of course, I'm not going to be perfected until I breathe my last. But you know what I'm aiming for? A sinless lifestyle. That's my goal. And I guarantee you, I've changed over the years. Guarantee you that if you knew me years ago, you would be shell-shocked I'm up here preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we all honestly look at our lives... We would all have to admit that we have habits or issues 
that we have not been able to fix. There's, all, there's probably, every one of us in here has a problem or an issue, a sin or a thought, whatever it is that you haven't been able to fix. That's why we have to seek him. Often we feel separated from God. Isaiah 59, verse 2, it says, But your iniquities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. Your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you. If you notice, he's not hiding his face. It's you can't see his face anymore. Because a new covenant... His face is always there for you and for me. All we have to do is seek him, and you will find him. In old covenant, it was a performance-based salvation. In new covenant, it, you are saved by grace, by the love of God for you and me. Freely he has given, freely receive. Paul sums it up. A lot of our struggles in Romans 7, 15 to 21, we won't go there. If we're honest with ourselves, we would see our own sin and the effect of that sin on our lives and the lives around us. If we're truly honest with ourselves, we will see the effect of something that can be changed in us. And it won't just affect us, that problem or issue. It will affect the people around us. I guarantee it. Oh, no, it's hidden no, no. You know why? Because hidden sin, it will cause worry. It can cause anxiety. Hidden sin can cause confusion. It can cause depression. It can cause guilt. It can cause shame. It will cause conflict. It will cause resentment. And it will cause regret. Jesus Christ came to set us free from sin and from the effects of sin in our lives. He set us free so we don't have to live in the effects of the sin. Jesus saves you from something or, or for something. Jesus came to answer our questions. Why do we exist? Why do I exist? Uh, I remember back in a, in a messed up teenage lifestyle, defiant against God, a guitarist in a rock band doing the bars and clubs, and I'm a missionary kid, five generations of ministry. And I fought against God. And I remember in some of my deepest depressed states, because I'm angry with God, I'm going to do everything I want to do and not what he says to do. Defiant. Shameful after I sinned. It always created conflict. I was, I was a, an aggressive person. I had no problem punching you in the face. I, 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 I had more fights and I, I would deal with it by hitting them first and nailing them so hard. Why? Because I had sin in my life and I knew truth. But truth was no longer setting me free because I chose to go against it. And I used to ask myself, why do I exist? Does my life really matter? What is my purpose for being alive? I remember running down I or sorry, uh, Highway 1, 401 here. In my 1972 Oldsmobile, 455 HP Cutlass, 455 cubic inches at 7.5 liter V8. <laughs> Let me just say it had a lot of power. When I got traction, it pulled the front wheels, and that was my street car. It was fast, powerful, and I remember running right past this area and I was running down and you know the train tracks that go over just before 232nd those low train track bridge I was well over 140 miles an hour aiming for the embankment to the right that concrete solid wall my speedo went to 120 and it was dangling over here bouncing somewhere miles an hour not kilometers that's for pussies Back then, we were all miles an hour, okay? So then we went to metric system, and I still struggle with it sometimes. What's the temperature you're like? I don't know, 90 degrees? What is that in Celsius, you know? So 
I don't know what happened. I don't know if there were angels. I don't know if the breath of God blew my car. But somehow or another, I didn't hit it. And I remember hitting my brakes, of course, slowly at first, letting off the gas to slow the car down. And there's a little pull out somewhere up there to the right. And I pulled off and I wept and I cried and I shook because I knew that my sinful lifestyle was taking me down the road that would lead to death. Jesus came not only to set us free from sin, but to restore to us God's original purpose for our lives. We are saved from evil, but also saved for good. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15. 2 Corinthians 5, 15. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. We are not to live for ourselves. He died so we can live for him. And in him is where we get the blessings and the favor, where he starts to say, I want to give you the desires of your heart because your heart is right. We were created for good works, Ephesians 2, verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Again, Ephesians 2, verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Oh, we're actually supposed to be doing good things. What an amazing concept. What an amazing opportunity. Because God prepared these things beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, I didn't say we were saved because of our works. Uh Uh-uh. We're saved so we can do Good works. We're saved because our love and his love have now connected and is growing. And what do you want to do in a family that you truly love? You want to serve. If you don't, then you're selfish. Oh, I love my family, but I'm not going to do anything around it. Yeah, and then your mom babies you like my mom did to me. I was the youngest child. I was spoiled. I admit it. Not with money, because they were missionaries. But I never had to clean my room. I never did the dishes. Thanks, Mom. You're awesome. Hey, I did do the garbage. I mowed the lawns. Absolutely, I had duties to do. But you see, when I learned what the relationship of true love is all about... Then I wanted to serve, and I wanted to do good things for the family. Every man and woman is created for more than just survival. We are created to be significant. You're not here just to survive. You're here to be created. You're created to be significant. Significant. If you're not feeling significant, be significant because you're created for it. Well, how do I be significant? Try serving. It'll help you. Significance comes as we give our life away for some purpose greater than ours. You see, most people with an identity crisis try to build significance, their name, by bringing all the attention to themselves and only build what they want to build and do what they want to do. That's called an identity crisis of significance. The reality is, is to be significant, serve someone else's vision. Serve the passion of a family. Serve the passion of a marriage, and you're going to have a significant marriage. Ephesians chapter 2, we're saved by something. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Salvation does not come by our trying or our effort, but by trusting in the grace of God. It comes by accepting what God has done for us, by faith knowing that we do not deserve it, but he says we do. We actually don't deserve it. There's nothing we could do to deserve him dying on the cross and rising again. But yet, 
why he did it was for us, for you. You don't deserve it, I don't deserve it, but he says you do. When Jesus hung on that cross and said, it is finished, he was saying, I earned your salvation, says the Lord. I paid for it with my life. Religion is human effort attempting to praise God. We can't praise him in religion. We have to praise him in our lifestyle, which is a heart attitude. Grace is God God giving to us something we do not deserve and can never repay him for it. Jesus Christ came to save us from sin and from self for his purposes and by his grace. Christmas is a time for reconciliation. This is point three. Christmas is time for reconciliation because we live in a world of conflict and hatred. Over the past 5,000 years, there has been almost 15,000 wars. Even now, there's dozens of wars going on around the earth. Reconciliation is the restoration of peace. What is reconciliation? It's the restoration of peace back into your life, into my life. Looking at the words of the angel in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, it says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I like the, the NU text. If you study scripture, theology, you'll understand what NU text means. It means the Nestle Allen Greek and the New Testament of the United Bible to combine together in the fourth edition. It's called the NU text, if you study and how they, how the NU reads Luke chapter 2, 14. It says, glory, it says, uh, it says, oh yeah, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good, goodwill toward men of goodwill. It adds of goodwill on it. Listen again. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men and women of goodwill. Towards the people of goodwill, you will have goodwill. When you bring goodwill, you will have and live in goodwill. Oh, we want everyone else to live in goodwill, but maybe not our lifestyle to dictate it. The angels were referring to Jesus Christ in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. When we consider the world around us, it's difficult to sometimes grasp a world filled with peace. But you know what? Our world has to first be filled with peace. My world has to be filled with peace. Because when my world is filled with peace, I can bring peace to the world. But if my world's not filled with peace, I can only expect others to have peace. But if it's not coming from me, then what testimony do I bring? Even in our own lives, it is sometimes difficult to imagine true peace. I wrote in notes, like my family's, my wife's family. But I, I don't mean that. I love my wife's family. But we need peace in our families. And peace from inside Jesus Christ and us, it's not actually dependent on their views of me or their views of you. Because if they have an attitude with you and that destroys your peace, then you're looking for peace in all the wrong places. It has to be peace with God, peace in Jesus Christ, peace with the Holy Spirit in me. And then in me, I can live in peace. Sometimes it's difficult to experience complete peace in my own heart and my own mind. Sometimes, let me tell you, being a senior leader of a ministry, sometimes it's a little difficult. Once in a while. Once in a while, people don't like you. Once in a while, you offend people without trying to. Once in a while, they say things behind your back. 
That's one of the reasons right now there's one company in all of North America that I've found that will give me life insurance. Because in the United States of America, pastoring has become one of the highest risk jobs of early death. It's right up there with deadliest catch. And so companies just aren't insuring pastors anymore. Stress is killing them. And so how, how do I able to try to have peace in the storms of this earth? Oh, the only reason I'm still doing this is because I actually found an answer. <laughs> His name is Jesus Christ. And I found a father. Father that loves me unconditionally. And I found a spirit that they call Holy Spirit that brings a peace that passes this understanding. And Jesus came at Christmas to bring three kinds of peace. One, peace with God. Whenever we live our lives our own way, we are not considering God's way. When you live your life your own way, you're not actually considering God's way. And when we're not actually considering God's way first, we're actually in conflict with God's will. How do we have peace? We have to find His way. We have to go after Him first. Not my way or the highway. His way is on the highway of holiness. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, on himself, the iniquity of us all. He has carried the burdens. What can a war with God look like? A life lived for yourself. What can the war on God look like? A selfish lifestyle that it's all about me and nobody else. That's a war on God in my own life. Fulfilling the deeds of the flesh, choosing and willfully entering into sin in our lives, that's how we rage war against God in our own life. Peace with God always produces within us the fruit of his Holy Spirit. So how do we get out of the war? Well, let me tell you something. Jesus Christ became the answer. And he actually took the war away. Because there's really not a battle out there. Because the devils have already been defeated. The only battle is this gray carnal matter. It's between our ears. Yeah, but I just can't stop sinning. The devil has so much power and authority. He actually has no power and authority. When you say those statements, you're warring with God. Well, come on, like we gotta, we got to go through deliverance. Oh, absolutely. Why do you have to go through deliverance? Because you opened the door and you powered sin in your life. Devil has been defeated. I mean, if you really want to follow Scripture, the worst he can do now is maybe put a slight little bruise Jesus heal with Jesus in me, the worst I'm going to get maybe is a little bruise because I'm kicking him. I'm kicking him in the face so hard. He doesn't have power. You have power because God is in you. But even if God isn't in you, you still have power 
You have the power of your own kingdom. You have the power of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And whoever you give him to, they'll give that to. You can only give it to God or you can give it to Satan. That's it. I'm going to give it to myself. You're right. That's Satan's gift. But God gave us a gift. His name was Jesus Christ. And his name is Jesus Christ. Job 22, verse 22. Now acquaint yourselves with him and be at peace. Acquaint yourselves with him, with God, with Jesus, and be at peace. How are we at peace? By acquainting ourselves with him. What does that mean? How do you get acquainted? I don't know. How did you get acquainted with your wife or your husband? How did you get acquainted with your friends? You actually stepped out to build a relationship. Thing about God is his side of the relationship is a hundred percent perfect. He's never gonna complain, he's never gonna be depressed, he's never going to be angry at you, and he's never going to gossip behind your back. He's the perfect relationship looking for the people to be in relationship with him. I like uh, the Living Bible. It says in Job chapter 22, verse 21, the same verse, it says, Quit quarreling with God. Agree with him, and you will have peace at last. His favor will surround you if you will only admit that you were wrong. <laughs> I'll drink to that. An alcoholic only becomes healed or even goes for healing when they admit they're wrong unless they get a DUI and the courts force them to go. But they won't be healed unless they admit they have a sickness. It's the hardest thing sometimes to admit that we're actually wrong. Oh boy. I have been so wrong so many times. I thank you blood of Jesus Christ has washed over me every day, every minute. His blood never stops flowing over us. The peace of God is realized in us when we finally yield ourselves to God, and then we begin to experience an internal peace. It's a peace that passes our understanding. But there's many things that can disrupt our internal peace Some circumstances we have no control over, like difficult people around us, a death, someone passing, wayward kids, wayward sons and daughters, or a family that's struggling. Sometimes it's hard. It disrupts our peace. And sometimes our problems that seem unfair can rob us of peace. But we can maintain peace within as we live in faith and learn to rest in God's strength and wisdom. Matthew 11, 28 to 29 says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. We can have peace with others if we truly have made peace with God and opened our hearts to experience the peace of God within. Then we can actually have peace with others. When we truly experience peace within, we will be able to find peace in our relationships with others. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation. God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. No matter what someone has done, we get to be ministers of reconciliation. What's the ministry of reconciliation mean? It's to settle our relationships with each other. It's to see people get restored again and not hold them in condemnation from their mistakes. 
one of the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Oh, my goodness. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Who wants to be called a child of God in this house? I got both hands, both feet up right now. Let's all stand. God wants us to work at being at peace with men and helping others to be at peace with one another. Being a peacemaker is not running from conflict. Being a peacemaker is not running from conflict. It is so much easier for me not to go into the conflict. I just want to stay in his love and his presence. But guess what? Sometimes there's conflicts around. Oh, more my human nature. Well, I have two human natures. One, in my lack of identity insecurities of the years gone past. I ran into conflict. I looked for conflict because I was in an internal battle and I had conflict through my anger and my fighting. Now, as a pastor, honestly, I would actually just let you deal with your own problems and let me just be in his presence. I just want to go to my office and hunker down, put on a little bit of worship music and, and just spend time in the word and say, oh, Lord, yeah, I know that thoughts in my high. I know that person's having problems, but just bless them, help them through it on their own. But I can't do that. Being a peacemaker, it's not running from conflict. It's not going to help your children. It's not going to help your family by running from conflict. It's not going to help your marriages by running from conflict. Are you kidding me? Let's communicate. Let's walk it through together as family. And let's do it in love. Sometimes it's tough love, yeah. But tough love is still love. When dealing with relationships, there's a difference between forgiveness and trust. We offer forgiveness quickly. That's our, that's our mandate. We have to forgive. If someone asks for forgiveness, we offer it quickly. If you've slandered me or said something wrong about me and you walk into this church and you say, Brent, I'm so sorry, I'm going to look you in the face and hug you and forgive you and I'm not going to remember that past as best as I can. But earning the trust again takes a little bit longer. It's Christmas season. Let's take time to remember the purpose of Christmas. Christmas is a time of celebration, which leads us into parties, the gathering of people together. We can celebrate Christmas through God loves us. We can celebrate that God is with us. We can celebrate that God is for us. Christmas is a time for salvation. Jesus saves us from something. He saves us from sin. He saves us from eternal damnation and hell. Just believing in Jesus Christ, you are saved from hell. If you don't know Jesus Christ, I want to tell you, this is the day that the Lord has made. And this is the time that he is knocking on your heart. If you're willing to open up, Maybe you've been backslidden. This is the time, says the Lord. This is the day that he has made that you come out of your backslidden state because he is going to look at you like it never happened. And you're going to look at it as the power of testimony. I love what Pastor Kevin said today. Let's quit looking back all the time. Let's look forward. Because the light is shining. It's shining shining, shining. Jesus saves us from something. Jesus saves us for something. Jesus saves us by something. Christmas is a time for reconciliation, peace with God, peace of God, and peace with others. The universe consists not in atoms, but in stories. And then the Christmas stories helps us understand God's heart. Let's write a story. Don't be a molecule or an atom with no story. Let's write a story by the power of testimony. Let's write a story that is going to be written in history. 
Let's write a story that our sons, our daughters, our grandchildren are going to look back at and say, that was my mom, that was my dad, that was my brother, that was my sister. Those are our grandkids, and those are my grandpas and grandmas. Let's write the story right now. Take out your pen and paper and start writing in your heart. Let's write the great story by the power of our testimony during this season. Take time to reflect on what God has done for you. Take time right now in this season for what are you thankful for? And as we answer these questions, we will understand the purpose of Christmas. Let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom it's the power and it's the glory, not for a moment, but forever and ever. And all the people said, Amen. Merry Christmas. Merry Christ more. Christo mas. Christ more. Celebrate him in your life. Be the testimony. Have an amazing Christmas because you only get one. Christmas 2018. Write it into the history books full of reconciliation, full of hope, peace, joy, and love centered on Jesus Christ.